Good afternoon, good evening, or good night, depending on when you're listening. My name is Jaden Cohen, and I'm the editor for the podcast. This is our first live segment, and today we're going to be talking about the hottest story for University of Miami Athletics, our football team, which has cruised out to an early 4-0 start for the first time since 2017 off the back of some very impressive wins. And we're going to get right down to business, but I'm not alone. I'm joined by an esteemed member of our podcast team, a freshman making his debut. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm, uh, my name is Devin Grace. I am majoring in health science and minoring in psychology, and I'm very excited to be talking some football with my good friend, Jaden. Yeah, Devin is very knowledgeable on the subject, a great speaker as well. So we have a lot in store for you today. If you're interested in joining our team, you can email us at podcast at themiamihurricane.org. That's podcast at themiamihurricane.org. You can find our podcast anywhere where podcasts are listened to. Encourage your friends to come take a listen as well. Now, the Miami Hurricanes are 4-0 for the first time since 2017. And a large part of that has to do with their offense. They've been very strong offensively, scoring 48 points against Texas A&M, which was a ranked opponent at the time, as just the highlight of some great offensive performances. So, Devin, on this offense... Who's a player that sticks out to you as a key contributor to the success the Hurricanes have had so far? Oh, for me, our wide receiving core looks unstoppable. We have Xavier Restrepo with 355 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he's not only a fantastic receiver, but when Brashard Smith had the kick return touchdown against A&M to the house, Restrepo was blocking and the blocks were absolutely phenomenal. That's what allowed Burchard to get all the way there. Colby Young, in my opinion, I think is a better overall receiver. He just doesn't have the blocking skills that Restrepo had at the time. He has 242 receiving yards and three touchdowns, but both of them are receivers to be feared if you're challenging the Canes. Yeah, Xavier Restrepo, absolutely a great highlight in this wide receiver core. You love to see the level of connection he has with quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. Those two are great friends in real life as well, and it translates onto the field. As a matter of fact, Tyler Van Dyke, he looks a lot more comfortable this year with the new offensive coordinator. He seems a lot more poised in the pocket, ready to make a big play. They've really kicked off the air raid, and this Canes offense is a big deal in the air, but on the ground... They're no joke either. Devin, why don't you talk about some of the key contributors that we've had in the run game? Well, we have some phenomenal running backs, Jaden. Uh, I want to start off low, then get high. And by no means are any of these running backs low. But we're going to start with Fletcher. Fletcher has 133 rushing yards and a touchdown. A.J. Allen has 137 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Cheney Jr. has an impressive 183 rushing yards and two touchdowns but what really shines to me here is Henry Parrish Jr. He is an absolute stud 331 rushing yards and I remind you four games and three touchdowns at that unfortunately in this last game against Temple he had a minor shoulder injury but according to coach Cristobal he said it is not very serious so we hope to see him as soon as possible 
And by the way, when we beat Temple, we beat them 41-7. to Absolutely crushed. You know, you'll love to see the statistics that Devin mentioned. Eight combined touchdowns between all of these guys, each of them having scored at least once, really shows the caliber that this run offense has. You don't need to worry about just one of these guys. You need to worry about all four of them if you want to have success. And through four games, that's really been confounding opposing teams. Now, a great way to transition from offense to defense is to talk about the Maui Goa brothers. Francis and Francisco, one's on the offensive line, the other front seven for the defense. Let's talk about them both. Francis, he's our offensive lineman. Now, there are some concerns with penalties. There's a lot of holding going on through these first few games, but he's a young player. He's got all the raw capabilities that you'd want from a great athlete. He really has the chance to blossom into an out-of-this-world talent if that discipline can come in, and I'm confident that it will. Francisco, he's averaging four and a half tackles a game as a linebacker through these first four games. Those are incredible numbers. You can tell that Francisco is another freak of nature as well. These brothers can play, and they've been a big contribution to the Canes offense so far. Devin, why don't you walk us through some of the other great players on this Canes defense? So two of the our two of our defensive guys that really stand out to me are our safeties. Uh, James Williams with 17 tackles. Wow, you just can't seem to be on the field and not be tackled by James Williams. It's unbelievable. And also, I wouldn't be talking about safeties without mentioning All-American Cam Kinchins. Uh, he had a very scary injury in the A&M game. Uh, he was on the field for what seemed to be an eternity, but uh, Cristobal said Kinchins is progressing nicely, and we're glad to hear that, and rumors have it he will be back for Georgia Tech. I also forgot to mention James Williams was as well as an All-American, so our safety core is really unstoppable. Jaden, our defense wouldn't be our defense without our outstanding cornerbacks. Why don't you give us a little spiel on that? Absolutely. I'd love to talk about this next guy because his name is fantastic. Jaden Davis, not me, but a cornerback for this Canes D. He's had 16 tackles through these first four games, an absolute unit on the defensive front. He alongside to Corey Couch, who notably played lights out against Temple last Saturday. Three interceptions in that 41-7 victory. So this secondary, when you combine the cornerbacks and the safeties, you're looking at what could be the greatest secondary assembled this year in college football. Now, that's definitely debatable, but these four guys are absolutely playing at a high caliber, all of them look NFL ready, and combined, they have an impressive 45 tackles between them. Now that is great. Now this 4-0 start has been against a few good teams, a few teams where we were expected to win, but the highlight win for sure was against Texas A&M, projected to beat us by a fair amount, Devin. Why don't you walk us through what happened in that A&M game and what was the key component 
in how he managed to emerge victorious in that game. So with our ANN game, uh, there were a lot of factors that had us ahead of them. Early in the game, we were down. We were definitely down. It was looking dismal for the Hurricanes. Uh, I was in the stands talking to my friends, and I was getting ready to leave. I'm not going to lie to you. But we started turning it around when our offensive coordinator started turning up the air raid. When Van Dyke gets the ball in the air, people catch it. It's that simple. Uh, the highlight of the game for me, as I mentioned earlier, was the kick return touchdown by Brashard Smith. That was absolutely unbelievable. There was no weaknesses on that play. We had guys blocking like crazy, uh, and that was an absolute force of an offensive play. Uh, I also want to talk about Bethune-Cookman. There's nothing to say. We, we embarrassed Bethune-Cookman. 48-7. to I'd like to remind you, Miami hasn't won by a margin less than 15. Our offense is absolutely unstoppable. But, Jaden, I'd like to take a look at our, our next opponents. Uh, we have a very tough rest of the schedule with every single team being part of the ACC, which has the most undefeated teams in any conference in football. Uh, Jaden, do you want to talk anything about Georgia Tech we have in two weeks? Absolutely. So, Georgia Tech, you know, those Yellow Jackets, they're not to be taken lightly. They're a good team as well, and, and we played them last year, and and they can be a little bit of a surprise. So what we're looking for the Canes to do in Week 5 is to keep in mind that they have what it takes to win that game and to remain disciplined and to remain mentally sound because this is the type of game that if you lose it as Miami, you're losing it because of the mental game. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for strong, mentally tough plays from our Canes in Week 5. Now, after that, we're moving on to UNC, which we're a good team. They're a good team as well. It's a 50-50 toss-up. Devin, what are your thoughts there? Okay, UNC is a very tricky one for me. It could go either way. They're going to be trickier because they're on the road. With us playing in Chapel Hill, it's going to be tough. Uh, their quarterback, Drake May, is a dog. Potential Heisman, but with, you know, Michael Penix Jr., it's really hard to call people potential Heisman. Uh, they have a fantastic offense, but the team was looking weak against App State after going into overtime against them. I don't know. We could come in with a victory, or we could lose. But if I had to put a money line on it, I'm taking the Canes. Yeah, you know, I totally agree. They're a great team. They're well coached. But they've looked shaky in places where the Canes have looked strong. We've beaten the teams that we're supposed to beat soundly. So I think that's going to be the difference maker in that game. Now, last year, we got embarrassed by Clemson. This year, things are going to be different. The Canes are strong. And if they can get through Georgia Tech and UNC... They're going to get through a Tigers team that has looked shaky through first four weeks. So, what are the keys to this Clemson game? It's just like the Georgia Tech game. Staying mentally strong. Clemson has looked overrated and they've looked 
improbably bad compared to how they were going to be at the start of the season. But this game is not easy. It's not something that's going to fall into the Canes' laps. They're going to need to go out, grab the win, and this is a home game. So there's a lot of responsibility for the fans to come, make sure this stadium is sold out, and really give that crowd energy to bolster the Canes in this match. Now, homecoming week comes after that. Devin, why don't you talk about our game against Virginia? Well, Canes, let me tell you something. We're going to have a very good homecoming. Virginia is a total joke. I don't say that lightly. We're giving credit to the teams that deserve it, and they don't. They have no intimidating position players, and Tyler Van Dyke could do this game with his left arm. Jaden, what are your thoughts on NC State? I have always been a little bit reserved around the Wolfpack. They're a team that they can actually be a little bit of a surprise. So I'm going to keep on repeating myself. We are a very strong team physically. We just went through. We talked about all of our great players on the offense, all the great players on the defense. But you go back to that Texas A&M game, that first quarter, we were beating ourselves just as much as they were beating us. Penalties, we got to get rid of them. And if we want to beat NC State, who has a record that's not that bad, we're going to continue to bring the mental fortitude that we're going to hopefully have brought versus Georgia Tech, versus Clemson. We bring it versus NC State, and then that's going to lead us into the biggest game of the season. You know them. You hate them. They are Florida State, and this year Florida State has one of the best teams in college football. Devin, give us the full rundown on the Seminoles game. The Seminoles are going to be by far our toughest opponents of the season. This could be a skull crusher for the Canes. Uh, They're going to be really hard, but they have shown signs of beatability. In uh, the game against BC on the road, they won. But had it not been for the flags uh, against Boston College, BC could have beat them. And BC's not good, putting it simply. The Canes are going to have another hard time with FSU because we're playing it in their house. Going up to Tallahassee, trying to beat a team not on non-neutral ground, I don't know. It's tough. They have a crazy player in Jordan Travis. He's absolutely ridiculous. And I would also like to point out another sign of weakness in FSU. They almost lost to Clemson last week on the road. It went into overtime and they were still able to pull through. They are not a team to be taken lightly, but there is a chance that we can beat them. Canes, I don't know if we're taking the victory on this one, but it's not out of the question. Jaden, I want to talk about our last two opponents. What would you say is going to happen in the game against Louisville? Louisville and BC, if... If you were to say FSU was the climax of our season, Louisville and BC, they'd be the falling action. These are two teams on the schedule that, if Miami keeps form from the first four weeks, should be projected to soundly clean up the season with two victories. But this is college football, and this is the ACC. You can never count a team as a scratch win. 
the Canes are going to have to go out and earn it for 60 minutes if they want to come out with these clean victories. And for BC especially, that game is not being played in Miami. No, it's being played in Boston, which that's especially scary when you consider that these are two completely different climates and that game is being played pretty close to winter. So you want to make sure that you're keeping the temperature in mind and the Canes are going out there prepared, ready to win. And Cristobal has his guys in top form for what could hopefully be bowl season after the BC game, as we missed it last year, corresponding with the 45-3 bitter loss to arrivals in Florida State. Hopefully this year brings us some better luck. But as we close on Miami, at the end of the day, this is a national sport and three teams that are nowhere near the Atlantic coast in Cal, Stanford, and Southern Methodist University, SMU. They're coming to the ACC next year. Devin, you have any quick thoughts on the conference realignment? Well, Jaden, the first thing I think of when I think of the Atlantic Coast is California and Texas. I mean, right on the Atlantic Ocean, uh, near <laughs> Cuba. Uh, yeah, I'm frustrated, Jaden. I really am frustrated. The realignment's making the Power Five too large. It's diluting the meaning. It's affecting rivalries. And... Frankly, I'm not a fan of it, uh, but this doesn't stop at the ACC. Jaden, do you want to say anything about the Big Ten becoming the Big 18? Yeah, you know, we no longer live in a Power 5 world because after this season, the very strong Pac-12 is going to diminish down to the Pac-2, Oregon State and Washington State, which is a big shame, but... Devin provided reasons to be against the conference realignment. I'll provide some reasons to be for it. It's great for television. This year, we don't really get a lot of ACC and Pac-12 games against each other. Maybe during bowl season. But now, we're going to get to look forward to Stanford versus Wake Forest every other year. Fantastic, fantastic football matchup that I'm sure everyone's very excited for. And obviously, with the Big 18, UCLA and USC joining in the mix. Now, big heavyweight matchups between USC and Ohio State, Michigan and UCLA that we're going to be getting with much more repetition in the next 10 to 15 years. So, listeners, as we close on this meeting and podcast, why don't you let us know your thoughts on conference realignment, you can email us at podcast at themiamihurricane.org. Find us on places anywhere you could find a podcast. We're there. Have a great rest of your day, whether it's the morning, afternoon, evening, or night. And I'm going to cl- give it to Devin for a final goodbye. Thank you, listeners. Uh, We're very excited to do this podcast, and I'm excited to be joining Jaden on plenty more talking adventures.